Hello, and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage Podcast. My name is JD, and I blog over at uncoveringintimacy.com. And today, uh, I'm answering questions from October. We're a little late this time, uh, because last month I had devoted a large portion of my free time uh, writing my sermon, which I posted last. And so I didn't get around to posting the answers to the questions received from our anonymous have a question page during October. So today I'm posting them and we'll do November's in a little bit before December is finished. Also, I wanted to let you know, if you are not following us on Instagram already, you might want to. We've actually been running something already for the last week. I've been sharing uh, one card from our intimacy advent calendar every day. And people have been voting on what kind of card they want to get, either the romantic ones or the sexual ones. And it's been fun to kind of see the comments and the messages people send me. And uh, yeah, just to get everyone involved in voting and everything is pretty neat. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you might want to check that out. Uh, Links are on our site, or you can just go to Instagram and search for Uncovering Intimacy. I think that's it. So let's launch into the questions. First question is, hey, Jay, I know you've done some sex toy reviews, but I was wondering if you know anything about this particular item. It's called the Motor Bunny. It's a saddle-like arch that you're supposed to kneel over it, and it has different attachments for penetration and vibrations. From what I've read, this is the mother of all sex toys, and once you try it, you'll never go back. So good, in fact, that some people try to make their own replicas because of the very expensive cost. Thanks. So I'm not aware of this particular company, but I'm aware of the style of toys. Uh, We've never tried one, and I can't honestly see myself purchasing one. For one, as you said, the cost is very high. It's about $900 for the Motor Bunny, more for other brands. And secondly, if it's as good as you say, you know, the once try it, you'll never go back. Well, then that sort of ruins sex, doesn't it? I I don't want a toy that once you try it, you'll never go back to anything else. Thirdly, while I am in favor of toys that couples can use together. This style of toy, that doesn't seem very possible. The reason for that is because I think sex toys should enhance a couple's relationship together, not be the focus of it. And I'm not sure there's any way for this type of toy not to be the focus of the session. So no, I I don't know much about it. I haven't tried it, but I'm not terribly interested in it myself. The next question is, this one you won't believe, but here it goes. I'm a 66 years young woman and not married. Question. How much more does a man think about sex than a female in an hour, day, or any time period? Seems like I've been told by men, articles, media, women's magazines, other females, and other, also men and women pastors. It is just, is it just the makeup of a man? Is it impossible for a man not to think of something sexual? Topless bars, male magazines, and not to forget, we can't enjoy professional basketball, football, or hockey without scantily clad women. Yes, I know selling female skin brings in more money, so why not have some nice V-shaped Daisy Duke wearing men joining the females for us women who can't buy their own ticket? Thanks, Sarah. All right, Sarah, so... Yes, it's generally accepted that men, on average, tend to think about sex more than women. However, that doesn't mean that every man thinks about sex more than every woman. But, yes, there does seem to be something in our makeup that causes men to be more visually stimulated. Women tend, again, on average, to prefer sexual context rather than simple sexual imagery. This is why romance novels, romantic comedies, etc. tend to appeal to a more largely female audience. However, in both cases, 
I think they're barking up the wrong tree. What both men and women are designed to really want, what will really satisfy their desires, is a relationship in which those desires are fulfilled. So topless bars, cheerleaders, porn, the Fifty Shades of Grey type novels are actually putting them further from what they truly desire rather than towards it. It's like your body is screaming at you to eat because it needs to be nourished and what you eat is jelly beans. You're not only not going to be meeting your need, you're teaching your body to crave the wrong thing. So this question is a bit like asking, hey, men are poisoning themselves. Can we get some poison too? And why would you want it? I guess that's the question that I'd ask in return. All right. Question three starts with, let me preface this question with the following statement. I love my wife. We have a great relationship. I love my marriage. We have great communication, save for this one thing. My wife smells bad. Even after showering, brushing her teeth, having otherwise well-maintained hygiene, I cannot determine a definite source of where it is coming from. It's there when she wears deodorant or perfume or anything of the sort. I just don't feel comfortable bringing it up with her. I don't know how she would react. It's just a strange thing I haven't heard of elsewhere. Hence, I'm turning here to you. I appreciate any thoughts or insight you might have. Thanks in advance. All right. So first off, I think you said it perfectly. You don't know how she'll react. So that's not a reason not to bring it up. Secondly, if it is a whole body odor, it might point to something out of sorts with her system. Uh, We happen to have a retired medical doctor in our supporters group who said uh, that whole body odor plus halitosis, bad breath, could indicate a metabolic or endocrine disorder like diabetes. It could also be something in her diet that she doesn't react well to. So it's definitely wise to at least get it checked out. As for how to bring it up, what about something like, dear, I want to talk to you about something that I worry will embarrass you. I first want to say that I love you, that this doesn't severely negatively affect our relationship or how I feel about you, but I've noticed that you have a particular smell about you and it doesn't seem to be affected by anything you do, such as shower or brush your teeth, wear perfume or anything else. It might be wise to get a doctor involved just so we can make sure it isn't a symptom of something life-threatening or otherwise serious. It's unlikely, but I'd rather not ignore a potential warning sign if that's what it is. And yeah, she might get a bit upset to mask the embarrassment, but you might also head off something potentially serious, and I think that's worth the risk. Plus, then you'll be able to say, we could talk about anything, and that's something to be proud of because not many couples can actually claim that. All right, the next question is, it seems like more of a rant, and I seem to be getting one of these a month. I'm curious if they're all from the same person, but I'll read it anyways. The church says don't remarry while your spouse is still alive or masturbate. Your ex-wife is remarried, and you follow God's rule for not remarry even though your ex-spouse did. Some churches say if you're going to hell if you are remarried, and some don't. No one talks about masturbation. If it is okay to remarry while your spouse is still alive, then masturbation needs to be explained better. I'm sick and tired of divorced, remarried people telling us it's okay to remarry. Some so-called preachers, all in caps, are remarried. Any leader in a church with lust in their heart have committed mental adultery. If you're a leader in a church and you know that a woman with a supermodel body offered herself to you, then you would go for her, then you have no right to judge masturbation. You can't even make up your minds if if free marriage is okay or not. That is supposed to be a more major sin. Five exclamation marks. The church can't even get that right. Three exclamation marks. All right, so (laughs) there's a bunch in here. Firstly, I agree 
with the stance that you shouldn't masturbate alone. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire argument here, but the short answer is that I believe God designed sex to be shared with your spouse. If you want the long version or to argue my stance, then there's a link in the show notes to a post where I tackle that whole thing and you can join the argument there. Secondly, remarrying is a highly contentious topic. Uh, Here's the problem with the stance that you gave. If you cannot remarry, except for adultery, then if your ex-spouse does remarry and presumably has sex, then arguably they've committed adultery since the divorce wasn't quote-unquote valid, and so then you are free to divorce and remarry, aren't you? So there's a simple quote-unquote out if you want to be legalistic. However, I think that reduces marriage and divorce and remarriage to a simple set of rules and completely misses the point. For example, I have no idea how divorce and remarriage are classified as you know, a more major sin, as you say, than masturbation. They're both taking something that God has designed and then twisting it or breaking it. As for a leader admitting that they he'd have sex with a supermodel, I have no idea where that came from, so I'm going to ignore that as a rant. Also, you keep saying, you know, quote, the church as if it was there is a single church, and there isn't. I mean, I believe the whole, you know, one faith, one Lord, one baptism in Ephesians 4 verse 5. However, Christianity as a whole, clearly doesn't agree on what that one faith, one Lord, or what baptism is. So let's call it what it is, an utter disaster. There is no, quote-unquote, the church to rail against here. There's merely a bunch of flawed people hopefully trying to follow God and failing miserably. So I'm not exactly sure what you're looking for here. It seems like you're looking for permission to masturbate because you can't get remarried, and I'm not going to give that to you because I don't agree with that. But either way, you should live according to your own convictions, not mine. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're asking or wanting here. If you want to, send me an email, and I am more than happy to answer whatever questions that you have. All right. Question number five is from a wife. She wrote, My husband and I have been married for over 10 years. Two weeks ago, we finally tried having sex in the doggy-style position. I have an open mind, but I absolutely hated it. Firstly, I hated the lack of eye contact. Not being able to see or kiss my husband made me feel very insecure. I tried looking back at him as much as I could, but it was physically awkward turning my head. I also felt that the position was too submissive. I felt too exposed and vulnerable. I had no control. My husband and I have a very equal relationship, so being so submissive felt wrong. I really missed the intimacy and closeness of the missionary position. I just did not feel loved. As we were doing it, all I could think about was how much I wanted for my husband to tell me that he loved me and for me to kiss him. At some point, I even reached out and held my husband's hand as I was craving some sort of connection. I held his hand until he had finished. Being able to hold his hand during it made me made it slightly more bearable. When my husband finished, I went straight to the bathroom and cried. Now I regret ever doing it and never wanting to do it again. My question is, are my feelings normal? Am I right to feel this way? And how do I tell my husband about this because he seems to have loved it? All right. So there's lots there again. So right off the bat, you've never had anything except for face-to-face sex for a decade. And it makes perfect sense that something where you can't see or kiss each other might feel weird and disconnected. As for the submissive part, uh... I'm not an egalitarian, but my understanding is that even in an egalitarian uh, marriage, the purpose is to submit to each other. So I'm not sure why being submissive is a bad thing. In fact, I'd argue Christianity as a whole requires the idea of being willing to submit to others, to be their servant, to love others sacrificially, etc., etc. 
So if you struggle to submit to your husband because you don't feel like you're in control, I think you're going to find that you struggle with a lot of things inside and outside of marriage. Feeling too exposed and vulnerable with your husband points to an issue, I think, in your marriage, not with the position. The position merely showed you a weak point in the relationship. Uh, that can be very uncomfortable and very jarring and very emotional. And, you know, and if there's anyone in the world that you should be able to feel exposed and vulnerable in front of and still feel safe, it should be your husband. As for feeling loved, well, that's a feeling, not a reality. Feelings are a helpful guides sometimes, but they cannot be taken as truth. Uh, feelings are wrong, but our interpretation of them often is. Chances are your husband felt more loving for you, being willing to be vulnerable and submissive and exposed and all those things that you hated. So are your feelings normal? I always say to this question, what do you mean by normal? Are they typical? No. Most women don't have that strong of a negative reaction, as far as I know. Many others actually like all the parts that you hated about it. Uh, are your feelings valid? Sure. I mean, they're feelings. Uh, they're valid as feelings, uh, but use them as a guide, not as an absolute truth. And like I said, I suspect there's a lot more going on here than simply not liking eye contact and being able to kiss. I think there's a fundamental issue of trust and being willing to be vulnerable with your spouse that's triggering these emotions. So yeah, you can feel how you feel. But I think choosing to simply shut everything down because you didn't like how it felt is dangerous. You have an opportunity here to learn something about your marriage and about yourself. Um, I would say don't run away from that. Now, I'm not suggesting that you jump straight into having doggy style sex again. Far from it, actually. I think you should probably spend some time thinking about what's going on with you and your marriage and probably discuss it with your husband. And yes, you absolutely should tell him because if he doesn't know, then he's going to want to do it again, most likely. But if he knows how badly you hated it, he may never bring it again. Um, likely what he loved was the novelty of it. And as I said before, your willingness to be vulnerable. So I'd say work on trying to figure out why being vulnerable is such a bad thing for you, and then maybe find another way to be vulnerable and try something else new. And then if you really do want to try doggy style sex again, um, there are things that you can do to try to feel more connected. Uh, yes, you can hold his hand. That seemed to help with you. Uh, you can do it in front of a mirror. That way you can still look him in the eyes, even though you're not face to face. Um, you can tell him that you want to feel, you need to feel more connected, that you need to hear him say that he loves you or that he cares for you or something like that. Um, there are things that you can do to mitigate all the kind of negative things that you're feeling other than the being exposed and vulnerable and that because I don't think those are problems in a marriage. So there are some ideas that you can try. All right. Last question is about nagging. This husband writes, this isn't really about sex, but my wife is wearing me out and I am having daydreams of not being with her anymore. The constant nagging, stress, and nitpicking has just worn me out to this point. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm tired and afraid to go home. When I bring it up, she denies it all and turns it into my problem. Thanks. Believe it or not, I answer non-sexual questions about marriage all the time. Uh, the standard answer is pretty straightforward. Use I statements rather than you statements. So, for example, you shouldn't say you nag all the time, but rather something like, I feel like I'm being nagged all the time. But to be honest, that usually doesn't make a huge improvement. Personally, I find it's much better to be able to point to specific undisputed behaviors because they can't be argued with or denied. Then 
you use that in a formula of when you do behavior, it makes me feel feeling. So for example, when you ask me to take out the trash three times within a five minute span, it makes me feel like I'm being harassed. She can't argue with how you feel and the behavior asking you to take out the trash three times in a five minute span is reality if that's what's actually happening. And then it's very hard to argue with that as well. And now you can actually start to talk about, okay, what's actually going on rather than nitpicking about the details and whether or not it's actually happening. Now, if you layer that in with a kind of positive, negative, positive sandwich idea, which is to say something positive, then share the negative, then say something positive again, then you end up with something like, honey, I love you, and I'd like for us to work on improving our communication. And when you ask me to take out the trash three times in a five-minute span, it makes me feel like I'm being harassed. I don't want to feel that way, and I don't think you want me to either. So could we talk about how to change things so that that doesn't happen again? I'd really like to feel how much they, you love me when we talk. So who is going to say, no, I'm not interested to that. Uh, I mean, if they do, then you have some much bigger problems to worry about. Of course, the response might be, well, how about you take the trash out the first time I ask, which is frankly a fair point. Uh, anyways, there's one way to bring it up so that you might net some better results. If that doesn't work, then it might be a good idea to bring in some professional help. And that's it for today. If you have questions of your own, you can submit it anonymously on our Have a Question page, or you can email me at j at uncoveringintimacy.com. If you enjoy our podcast, then please take a moment to rate us and leave a review by clicking on the link in the podcast episode description. Ratings and reviews are other how people find us. So if you like the podcast and you'd like someone else to experience the benefit that you get from hearing it, then please I'm help them out by leaving a review. And don't forget to check out our Instagram page if you are curious about what card's going to be up tomorrow. Uh, you can even vote for it in our story. That's it for now. Talk to you next time.